0: Hello, this is Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. I'm Dustin Toberman, founder of Omniad Consulting. And my name is Nick. I produce this podcast and ask questions.
1: And today we've got kind of a difficult conversation about difficult conversations, but they're the kind that you really need to have. But before we get into that stuff, Dustin, how have you been lately?
0: I'm always good and it's always good to be back with you again, Nicholas. And I hear that it's finally starting to feel like fall up north.
1: Yeah, it sure is. As we're recording this, we are in the championship series of the Major League Baseball playoffs. And yes, entering fall.
0: I tell you, it's tough not to watch the Cardinals there. It's, it's painful to watch some <laughs> of the games. But I, I got to be honest, as much as I always believe in my squad, I don't know if I'd want to face the Phillies right now. So maybe the fact that they're not in there and, and might get embarrassed is better. You know,
1: it can relate to our conversation today because that's a great team. Obviously, they've got a lot of guys who can go up and hit bombs but also they seem to have a really great team cohesion. And I
0: would imagine there's a lot of honesty in that clubhouse. I couldn't agree more. I've been so impressed with the, the team aspect of it as well. And I think that's what everybody's talking about. So much so that when I think of the culture and the things that I'm reading behind the scenes about them as a group, one big thing is that they hold each other accountable. But I feel like we could yeah. have a whole nother podcast on, on culture because that's getting so much attention. And th- that's what it looks like when it's, when it's healthy. Right? People throwing it out there and laying everything on the line. And this is a great one about culture, and we'll, we'll have to have, the, have that conversation down the line.
1: Totally. We're going to be talking about assessment, honest assessment today, getting honest feedback from your team, and also giving honest feedback to your team,
0: because these are challenges. Talk about holding people accountable, and, and, it, and it is uncomfortable, right? Nobody wants to give any, anybody bad news, whether it's that they didn't get the promotion that they had been hoping for. You know, Maybe they're not living up to expectations. You know, maybe, maybe they just made a mistake, you know, at work. All those things are things that need to be discussed. We tend to shy away from things that, that make us uncomfortable. When in reality, our performance, ultimately our success, not only of the individual, but maybe our team, our division, even the company, everything's riding on it. And, and that's what we want to talk about today. Why don't we have those conversations? The leaders are responsible for success. You know, they need to put you in a position to win. You know, turnover is is a hot topic right now. Since the Great Resignation, people are leaving at the drop of a hat, going out to pursue other opportunities. And I think one of the things that we can look at too, and we can pinpoint is that we probably are not mentoring the way we should be. This is a two-way
1: conversation. And I think the more you give your team the ability to provide honest feedback, the more open they will be to receive that honest feedback. Would you agree with that
0: assessment? before I accept this position, I've got somewhat of an idea of what you expect from me and how I expect to get it you know, delivered and delivered to you. And of course, those things change as we as we grow and our relationship changes, but that's really where it all starts. And so that's why it's so important for us to come out of the gate and talk about these things. I came in the industry a long time ago when, when things were much different. We talk a lot about end of the year reviews or mid-year reviews, which by the way, are right around the corner and, and that's a whole other discussion. But whether we get those you know, once a year, twice a year, when I came into the, into the ag industry, we weren't getting them at all. I mean, I, I never had a review for years, but I think we've got to go beyond that and get away from this you know, this idea that we can only coach or mentor or have these discussions at these formal times at the, you know, the middle of the end of the year. I think these are the kind of discussions that we have every day if needed, multiple times a week, maybe multiple times a day. That's, that's what a leader does. They take their position seriously. And I think doing that builds the trust that when the time comes for us to have a really challenging conversation, there's mutual respect and admiration, and I think it makes things go a lot smoother. Now, I think it's good to start with management here because like
1: you said, they sort of hold the cards, they, they set the agenda, and it's something where management wants to get good feedback from their team. And I've worked for companies that do ask for feedback, and I've, I've worked for companies that don't. I've worked for companies that ask for feedback, and they don't listen to it or don't really pay attention to it. Which is um, the worst, right? Yeah, that's the worst situation. But what would a good, healthy individual assessment look like, you know, with a manager in communication with his team or her team?
0: I think the key is, is that you're not dropping a bomb on someone all, the, all at once, right? where you where you haven't waited six months to do any coaching or mentoring. And all of a sudden you bring in a, uh, an Excel spreadsheet of a of hundred things that, that they need to work on. I mean, that's going to be Good overwhelming point. for anybody, right? Like right. I, think, I think about myself, you know, on, on how I prefer to be coached. and you and I have had this discussion many times, you know, none of us like to hear that we're failing, but when you bring it to us, and everything that we've done wrong over the course of the year, I mean, who can recover from something like that? I think early on in my career about times when I was coached like that. And I thought to myself, it almost would have been easier just to leave. Like there's no way that I can correct all these things. And if I'm this horrible, why would I stick around? I'm embarrassing myself. And this is why it goes back to the importance of having these on a regular basis. Because when I think of healthy assessments, I think that those assessments come early and often, right? The, the more, the better. We don't wait for a formal time to have a discussion long before it's, you know, oh my gosh, you've you've made a mistake that's gonna cost us millions of dollars It's hey, Talk to me about what you were thinking there and let's go over why, you know, I might recommend a different way. And I, I think that's really where it starts. And because by doing that early, you're going to build that respect. And I think they in turn realize, hey, you know what? Th- this person is going to come to me when they see issues. And, and I know that I can come to them and we can discuss them openly. They don't wait till I've failed and, and we can't recover. But I, I have trust in them that, that we can have these open discussions. So I think when I think of healthy assessments, that's number one. That's where it all starts. So you don't
1: want that person walking out of the meeting thinking, well, I'm hopeless. You know, I, I right. suck. I, I, I can't do this job they've given me two dozen things that I need to improve. How do you make it a, a, an assessment where they walk out of it and they are hopeful, positive, optimistic about turning things around and, and improving their performance?
0: I always believe that it's about a path, having a plan. This generation more than ever before needs to see where am I going to be three months, six months, a year. They always need to be working towards something. And so I think it's okay to point out those things, maybe some issues or things we need to correct or, or just tweak, fix. Uh, as long as they see that, that, look, this is part of the process. I think it's important to show them that although, hey, we had a few hiccups here, here's what we need to do to fix that. And that's the other thing, giving them the tools they need to be successful. So if we're seeing that there's mistakes or we're seeing that there's an area where you know a, a trainee or an intern is struggling, are you providing them the tools that they need to fix it and to be successful? Is their training that they can get additional training outside of day-to-day learning that might help them catch up or even get better. And I think as leaders, we need to look for those opportunities. And
1: I think we should acknowledge that this is really difficult, you know, because each of the people you're, you're talking to with assessments, they're going to be different individuals. And one of the challenges of a manager is to how to manage different kinds of people who have different kinds of motivations. And so a manager who only manages with shame and fear is not gonna be able to connect with certain members of their team who are just going to ball up. They're, they're not going to respond well to that. Maybe someone needs a little bit of fear. You know, your job impacts this entire site. Uh, it's more important than you seem to realize, you know, that sort of thing. I'm not saying you don't go into that direction, but is part of it just as a manager learning how to talk to different kinds of people and, and how hard is
0: that? Oh, no, no doubt. Leaders matter, right? I think they have the, the biggest impact on our organizations, not just in the moves they make, but it's in how they coach and mentor our people. Because still, Google it today, the number one reason for people leaving a company is their manager, right? So obviously huge impact. Uh, but also the people that they coach, the, the decisions that they make and, and how they, they promote the people that they do. I don't think there's a bigger impact to the company than, than the impact that, uh, that the leaders have. And so it's so important. And, and you, you said it a few minutes ago, yeah you almost have to be a chameleon, right and and, and a little bit of of a psychologist and a shriek. you know yeah. sometimes you're the shoulder to cry on. you got to know when to push, you got to know when to pull sometimes right. people people need a pep talk. sometimes people need a hey, let's go, let's get it going right i myself, I was always somebody that reacted to kind of strong encouragement, but like, hey, let's get your head in the game. I know you're better. let's go versus uh, you know you suck or hey, you'll you'll never be successful at this. Uh, when you think back to yourself, you know you were talking about managers, when you mm-hmm. think back to the good managers, you think about, I'm sure, the encouragement versus the, the criticism. Right.
1: Absolutely. It made me think of a story from when I was in high school. I was on the tennis team, and we were just discussing about going down anger spirals. And I was in a doubles match. I was in an anger spiral because things weren't going my way, and I was being a really bad teammate. And I think my coach identified this, and that's when I needed fear. I needed to be scared. Because he told me in no uncertain terms how I was acting. And then I turned around and I was like flawless. And we came back and won because I was like, oh, shoot, like I'm being horrible right now. I need to change things.
0: Yeah, it affects the entire team, right? And, and then that's yep. the same can be said for in business. You know, you know talking about the impact that a, that a coach or a mentor or a leader has like that, I'll never forget it early in my career. I made a big, big mistake on my position. I was in and outside and I wasn't paying attention. We had bought a whole lot more grain than I had given us credit for for the day. The markets were really moving. I was in the middle of harvest and I hadn't hedged a, a pretty big amount. And this this was a big deal. And I, I hate to lose. I'm, I'm hardest on myself. Anytime I make a mistake, as we talked about earlier, I go down the rabbit hole and, and question my entire existence, right? It's, it's ridiculous, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I made a pretty big mistake. One that I was going to have to answer to, and because it, this was going to cost real dollars and cents, and it was a big deal. Nobody was going to be harder on myself than I was, but I was devastated. I mean, I was boxing my stuff up because I figured this is the kind of mistake that you'll never recover from. Nobody's ever going to have faith in you. How could you not pay attention to this? I mean, I was crushed. There's nothing anybody could have said to me, including get out. That would have made me feel any worse than I already did. Mm, and I'll right. never forget. My, my manager at the time, I called and I said, listen, I want to explain this. You're going to see this. You know, in the accounting, I made a huge mistake. And honestly, he laughed. And The first thing he said was, was man, it sounds like somebody kicked your puppy. And I thought, well, you know, he's bringing humor to that. I appreciate that. And then he said, listen, you know, these things happen. You're wearing a lot of hats as a young manager. Now you know that you'll never do this again. And yeah, absolutely. But knowing that I was able to learn a lesson there, And I had the support of my manager. I mean, it was huge. I've always been all in 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 my career. But you talk about taking things to the next level and and really feeling that I had the support of my manager and there's nothing more powerful. And, you know, if I already was an A employee, I, I became an A++ employee. And that's the impact that it can have. And that shows the difference of, hey, how could you be so stupid to make a mistake like this? Only idiots make a mistake like this versus, hey, now, you know, don't let it happen again. And th- there you see it, you know, in, in real world examples of exactly the impact
1: that it can have. Well, it sounds like your manager recognized that you already had all the shame and fear you needed with this. <laughs> and so he gave you some wisdom, some guidance there. I mean, I think there are, there are folks sometimes who need a little bit of a, a reality check, but knowing as a manager when that's necessary is tough. And, it, and it's all about getting to know your team and who they are.
0: Absolutely. And that, that's why it's so important for managers to keep their finger on the pulse. And this, I just made a post about this uh, last week about, I know it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, especially during harvest, crazy hours, you're in, you're out, you're managing people, markets, your facility, I get it. But do yourself a favor and walk that facility at least a couple of times a week and have individual conversations, whether they last two minutes or 10 minutes, the feedback that you get is going to keep you in the know. And I tell you, it can get away from you to hurry. And that's why it's so important to have a finger on the pulse to know when, hey, this person's about to crack. I, I've had that happen before, that I've looked at an individual, we had worked more than a month in a row without a day off. It was harvest, but well, this shows how long I've been around. Right, but anyway, right. and, and, and I went out and I talked to this individual and just in that 30 second conversation, I could tell this person's about to crack. And I mean, I was seriously concerned about, about health issues. Immediately sent that person home. And, and you don't get that if you're not paying attention. And that's why it's so important to engage with your people, like you said earlier, to know when to push, to know when to pull. Well, it's a really good
1: segue because we, we have to talk about the other side of this, which is organizations getting feedback from their team. Yeah. And this is something that, like we've talked about before, isn't done everywhere and it doesn't, isn't done well everywhere for sure. So what do productive organizational and managerial assessments look like? What's a good way to get that feedback that's honest and productive from your
0: team without scaring them? You mentioned it earlier, and and it's it's kind of a joke, but it's serious at the same time. Is that you know I know a lot of organizations that do these assessments, right? They they send them out. The organizations that I've been a part of my entire career have done it. You know, we we get the feedback. It's all anonymous, and then what do we do? We go out and report. And I can tell you that you know we used to go facility to facility to facility and talk to individual crews and say, listen, here's how we rated overall as a company. Here's how I rated as a manager. Here's how your facility rated. But I can tell you that. And I was always very open with my team and I encouraged them to be the same way, that the biggest question that they had was, now that you know about it, are you going to do anything about it? So in other words, are you just going to sit on this information? Because if you do, once you've lost that trust, you've lost their ability to ever believe in you again and come to you. And I think that's where things break down. So when I start thinking about from an organization, the healthy assessments, you know, what does it look like to, to really have an open door for people to have trust both ways? That's where it starts, that your team has to buy in and believe in you as a leader, that you're going to listen to the things that you see and you hear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and how often should this sort of thing be done? Because we talked about pretty regular engagement with team members on their performance. How often should we be getting their feedback? Or is it about creating an environment where people are able to speak up and ask, why do we do it this way? Could we do it this way?
0: You know, we, we always hear the open door policy and I know that's kind of a bit of a, a cliche and some people mean it, some people don't. But I, I think that, again, those discussions just happen on a daily basis. Right? We don't have to wait for the formal moments for us to get feedback. Again, it, to me, if you're engaging and you're working with your team closely, like a leader should be, to provide the tools for success for your team, you know, more so than their own individual careers. You know, one of the things that I used to do is, is go out every, every now and then when I had time and, and sit in. Sit and eat lunch with my team and listen, because they're going to discuss these things that matter to them. And this is when you hear. And so again, I I think that if you've been busy, it's okay to schedule these, but I think it's, it's just, it's healthier and more natural when you just, when you go to your team and when they feel like they've got open lines of communication, right? They don't have to just come knock at your door. They realize because you're engaging, you already are hearing what they're talking about because you just talked about it out in the facility for, for 15 minutes or an hour or or whatever it took. So I, I think- the more often, the better, and that's when things just flow. Because oftentimes, you know, I think the one issue with that the open door policy is someone's got to have the guts to come to you. And I've worked for people that that didn't like an audience, didn't want to make a fuss. You know, maybe they saw something, and the the problem with that, and the fear with that is, is that you're missing out on somebody that sees something or might have great ideas, but because they're not comfortable approaching you, even if you said a hundred times, "Hey, listen, Nicholas, I know you you can come to me anytime you want." It takes a lot for people to walk in and talk to a leader, you know, depending yeah. on where you're at in the totem pole. You know, maybe this is somebody that just started a month ago and they feel like, you know, I don't really have a voice. I haven't been around long enough to have these discussions where well, you're going to miss out on some opportunity that I bring to you. So I think it's important for you as management to always be reaching out and engaging with your team and, and seeking out the information face-to-face if you can.
1: I like that you mentioned going, going to lunch, overhearing conversations because you're right. If people don't feel like they can speak up and talk about these things uh, to management, they're still going to talk about them because what else are you going to talk about at work? You know, I mean, we're going to talk about what's bothering us, what's annoying us, what we like. So those conversations are happening. Is part of it having a good understanding of your team dynamic? Because maybe there's someone on the floor hearing these things who can help translate it for you in a way that makes sense for management.
0: Yeah, I think it comes with, with knowing your team. And obviously, the more you're around you know, people as you grow, you know, you're going to have a much better understanding of that. And we talked about earlier about you know everybody's different. Some people you push, some people you pull. You're going to learn how to approach them the longer around them. That's, that's why it's really this is really challenging for, for new managers and new leaders because they just got there. They don't know what they don't know. And they really haven't been around long enough to learn the dynamics and, and who's kind of in charge and how the chain of command works and, and who speaks out and who doesn't. So that's why, you know, one of the things that I've always recognized is that young leaders, they shy away from it. And it's got to be just the opposite. We've got to provide some leadership training, you know, mentorship to young leaders, because again, I think this can end a career. I, I have seen, just because of this exact conversation, I have seen young managers lose a facility or a team because they maybe didn't understand how those dynamics work. And because they felt like they couldn't recover, that they had done damage to their reputation, they just chose to leave. And how sad, because when, when we bring someone on, obviously you think they've got potential and you know who knows where they could have gone within your organization, but because they felt like they had failed so miserably, they chose to leave. And again, at a time when, when we can't afford to lose anybody, it's really, really tough to lose someone, especially someone that you believe had a future with your organization. Early on, it's really, really tough to decide. Those are things that you just learn as you go. But as a veteran leader, I think that it is important to understand the dynamics and to reach out to people and, and make an effort to see, see just how those things work, because that is going to have an impact on how you lead. Now, we're
1: talking about leaders on the floor and the people who are actually having these conversations. But I know that one thing that helped me early on when I was in manager roles is that I worked for a company where assessments were a regular thing. They were expected and people knew it was coming. So what role does the tippity-top leadership, the people who set the program, what role do they have in helping their management make sure these assessments
0: happen? I think the key is 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 the culture. And that goes back to the interview process and who we're bringing on. But I, I again, I think it, it's all about the culture. If you bring on someone who happens to be very by the book, you know, we we do assessments mid-year, we do assessments at the end of the year. This is how we do it our entire rating system on your performance is based off of these assessments. You know, if you bring on somebody like that in the organization that's very rigid, I'm going to be honest in today's world, I don't think it plays. You know, it it played years ago because that's the way things were, but but times have changed. And I'm going to tell you and even warn you that going forward if you're bringing into your organization people that view management that way and assessments that way, I think it's a dangerous game. Again, on the record, we've got to have a formal assessment, and maybe we do those twice a year, once a year. But I'm going to tell you that a good leader is constantly reaching out and having these. And I don't like to even think of it so much as assessment as it is coaching and mentoring. Right. And for each
1: given organization, their path back to a, a healthy assessment process, or at least an open line of communication between management and teams, it's going to
0: look different depending on the company. I love having these conversations. It's not something that we often coach. And I think it's something that we should going forward because as long as I've been in the industry, they never get easier, but they're necessary. Absolutely. Well, I want to leave with something
1: strong. You know, we talked about how these conversations are difficult and that's why people avoid them. Why do you think people avoid these assessment conversations on one side or the other? And how should they change their attitude about them?
0: I think you nailed it right there. It's how we look at it, right? Perspective changes everything. And I think when you look at it, as a negative as opposed to a positive. In other words, I'm tearing someone down versus I'm giving them the tools to succeed. I'm ending their career versus I'm helping them get to the next level. Because without my quote air quotes assessment, without my mentoring, without my coaching, they're definitely gonna fail because they're, they're making mistakes. And so I think it's all, all how we look at it now. You know, If it does get to the point where we've gotta let someone go, that's never an easy situation. But even there, I believe that if you've done your job as a real leader and a manager, and you've been having these conversations along the way. It really shouldn't come as a as a shock. And by that point, if you've done your job, I think that somebody almost might thank you for, listen, I, clearly I'm struggling to get this and maybe this isn't the right opportunity for me. Things really come as a shock when we wait a year to tell somebody how they're doing. And so again, this goes back to the frequency, which we have these conversations. I think we need to be having them all the time engaging with our people. I think that's when they turn it from looking at assessment to a, a coaching opportunity. Absolutely. And I think we
1: left the best for last because really we've covered everything we decided to talk about except for one thing which is exit interviews. You know, you mentioned it, but here's here's the exit interview for this podcast episode. Why are exit interviews important? What keeps them from being productive and who should be conducting those exit interviews? I there's three questions
0: for you. I've only switched companies twice and I did have an exit interview with one and I appreciated the opportunity. I think if you're you're a professional who who intends to stay in the in the industry. I, I think they're a great idea, but from an organizational perspective, it's absolutely a necessity that that we have these conversations because clearly we're we're parting ways. I want to understand why, and not just that hey I I got I got a better offer here, but it's how you felt about your time within my organization. And I want to know what did you think about the culture? Did you find it easy to assimilate to us? Did you feel like we had open lines of communications? Do you felt like you were given the tools necessary? Because the feedback that I get, I'm going to go back and try to be better. I'm going to use these things. I think, you know, where organizations fail is, is they assume that everybody's going to be better and nobody's really going to give you any positive feedback. I've actually been a part of them, part of quite a few, conducted them myself when I had team members that were leaving. And I can tell you, I don't I don't recall a time when things went sour. And I think that's all because it's how we approach it. Now, if you had two teammates that were at odds and that's the, the cause for the divorce, I would avoid bringing that individual into it. But I think it doesn't necessarily even have to be an HR representative. I think you can find somebody that they respect. Maybe it was a manager. You know, maybe it was somebody that they work closely with to ask the questions. What did we do right? You know, what did you really enjoy here? Talk to me and just, just open mic. You know, talk to me about the things that were important to you here and talk to me about the things that, that also that we could do better. And again, just like with the assessments, if you're going to have them, use them because the going to get yes. out that, you know, hey, we had the exit interview, but nobody ever pays attention or the last 10 people that have left here talked about poor communication, yet it never changes. Well, then I think it's counterproductive. So if you're going to take the time to actually conduct these exit interviews, make sure that we take the information to heart and we use them and we show our people, listen, the last several people have said this, we hear you, we're going to work on this.
1: And I also want to say too, you know, I've been involved in exit interviews where the person really wasn't that interested in sharing much. And I think that'll happen sometimes, but I've also been in exit interviews, even as the individual who was exiting where there was a lot of honest feedback that was shared and it ended up being very informative for management there. So I think just because it doesn't always yield great results, uh, it is something you wanna do every time because sometimes you'll get someone in there who's really honest and they'll tell you some things that you, you need to know.
0: And, and I'll say this on the other side, for the for the person who's leaving, a uh, li- little bit of advice here. I always say this, leave on a professional note, right? Handle your business professionally always, even on the way out the door. Ag's a small industry, You never know who you're gonna be working alongside or maybe even working for someday. You don't wanna go out, burning bridges, and torture the village because it's gonna come back to haunt you. So even if you had, you know, harsh things to say, I think it's okay as long as you handle professionally. You know, not my manager sucks, this guy's a, a horrible person, she's terrible, but it's, you know, hey, I felt like I didn't get the support I needed. I feel like there really wasn't open lines of communication. I felt like there wasn't a lot of transparency, right? handle it professionally, and end on a high note. Uh, you've been listening to Boot
1: Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. We want to thank everybody who's been listening. We've seen a little bump in listenership, which is great to see. Uh, you know, this is a niche industry podcast, and so people are listening who are really engaged, uh, and we really appreciate it. But you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Well, thank you for listening. Dustin, it's been a great conversation.
0: Always a pleasure, Nicholas. Take care.
1: See ya.